thinking um, about the topic of fear tonight. We're still kind of thinking um, through the uh, issues and digging deeper of, um, of things that affect us, things that can take root in our lives. We've looked at rejection and addictions, and uh, we've come to thinking about fear. I've uh, read a couple of quotes this week that really stuck with me. One's on the screen right now. Fear makes the wolf bigger than he is. I like that. Pavarotti said, Am I afraid of high notes? Of course I'm afraid. What sane man would not be? I thought that was quite inspiring. We're going to start this evening by talking to one another. I know that's a scandal. We usually talk at the end, but you're going to talk at the beginning. And uh, I found a great website called phobias.com. And it tells you from A to Z every possible phobia that has been named. And there are some great ones. On your, pieces, on your table, there is a piece of paper. I have a little quiz for you. I thought you'd be feeling keen. There are 10 phobias on there, including Richard's favourite, the phobia of your mother-in-law. I'd like you to look at the English names for the phobia and match them up with the medical terms for them. You've got about, I don't know, five, six minutes. See if you can match them up. Some of them are very obvious. Some of them might be a little bit less obvious. Some of them are, are very kind of obscure phobias. The phobia of chopsticks. I wonder if any Chinese people have that phobia. They probably struggle a bit. You ready to see the answers? I'm going to leave you to mark yourselves. Animal zoophobia. That was easy, wasn't it? Anything new was neophobia. Bold people was palladophobia. Chopsticks was the really long one I'm not even going to go to. Church, I've got that. Ecclesiophobia. Fish, should have all got that one right. Gravity, barophobia. I get quite a few of you got that one right. Men, androphobia. Your mother-in-law, men, remember this. Pentharobia. And then your octophobia at the end. I'm sorry for the flickery screen. Anyone get 10 out of 10? Dave got 10 out of 10, didn't he? Oh, Ditching you. <laughs> and you'll get 9 out of 10. Did you really? Oh, 8 out of 10. Lots of you did well. Well done. Anyone get 1 out of 10? Wonderful. As I said, there are some interesting phobias there. You're all thinking about these now, aren't you? Some of them, I guess, uh, we understand more than others. On the A to Z, there was an awful lot of things that people fear, and we're going to think a little bit more about that later on. But we're going to uh, just now turn to think a lot about what the Bible has to say about fear. And the Bible clearly mentions fear in two different ways, and we're going to think about both of those ways um, tonight. The first thing is the fear of the Lord And the second way that the Bible describes fear is something, uh, an emotion, a feeling, something that's unhealthy, that can be destructive, a destructive, unhealthy fear. But we're going to begin uh, with thinking about the first one, the fear of the Lord. Our worship already tonight has begun to encompass some of what we're about to talk about There really is only one God over all who's in charge, who has the ultimate power. 
Ultimately, God is the creator, the sustainer, the king of kings, the ruler, the Lord, the mighty one. And therefore, the Bible says this, you alone are to be feared. Who can stand before you when you are angry? God has the power to do anything. He's in charge. He has the power to hold the world in his hands like we just sang about. He is over all of creation and all of time and all of space. He is the only one to be feared, the Bible says. But we've also uh, reflected in our worship tonight that God is a God of love. And those who love him, the Bible says, have nothing to fear from God because he is our protector, our rock, our provider, our fortress, our friend. And those who love him, the Bible says, has nothing to fear, for we are protected by him. So what is this fear of the Lord? Fear of the Lord is a recognition of who God really is and who we really are. I love the bit uh, when uh, Moses meets God in the burning bush and he asks who he is and God says, I am. And in that statement, God is clearly saying, I am who I am. You're not. You're not the great I am. A fear of the Lord is a recognition of who God really is, a healthy view of who God really is and who we really are. He's all-loving, all-powerful. We're not all-powerful, but we have a choice to love him. And those in a relationship with him do not need to fear his judgment or that he will do anything bad to us. Uh, again, many Bible passages that talk about God's plans for us. The Jeremiah one, very famous. You know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Not plans to hurt you, but plans to prosper. The Bible talks a lot about the fact that those who know him, who love him, who have a healthy fear of God, fear the Lord in a healthy way. This is what it says uh, in Revelation the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord is sure and altogether righteous. We do not need to be scared of God. I want to say that right now. But we do need to have a healthy recognition of who he is. And a healthy fear of God stimulates a respect, honouring him. And from that point, a relationship is built. God is God and we are not. Fear God Give him the glory. Fear God, give him the glory. But what about the other fear that the Bible talks about? We'll come a little bit back to the fear of the Lord uh, later on. But there are other things that the Bible talks about, and I've put a spider up there because that is about the only thing I'm fearful of, to be honest, especially ones that look like that. I wonder what you're afraid of. We uh, touched a little bit on that this morning uh, as we were thinking about tonight. And uh, just around your tables again, just talk for a few minutes. Come up with a list of things that you think people are afraid of. And maybe just have a discussion for a few minutes about why you think people are afraid of those. If anyone can tell me why people will be afraid of chopsticks, I'd really like to know. Uh, that would be really helpful. But you could get stabbed in the eye by one. That is true. That is true. They could be lethal. I've seen, maybe you've seen more kung fu films than me. But like for a moment, around the table, think of, uh, I think of some of the things that people are afraid of and why you think they might be afraid of those things. Spend some time together.
Okay, just call out a few things that uh, you think people are afraid of in general or, or yourself or whatever. The dark. The dark. Keep going. Rejection. Rejection. Heights. Dogs, tunnels. Corned beef. That'll be Dave. Sprouts. Yeah, some fears are more logical than others. Oh. Okay, yeah. Fear of loss, losing others. Failure. Aggression, fear of anger. Confrontation. Keep going, Judy, it's fine. Illness and death. Death's a big one. Looking stupid. Men in green suits. Okay. <laughs> Men in any suits. Doctors. Okay. Doctors. Hospitals. Men or women in green coats. Both are scary. Dentist, that's how I could have put a picture of that up. Simon Shish. Didn't hear what Mary said, did you? Your boss. Um, <laughs> Mary said growing old. I'm feeling the fear of getting greyer. Anyone else? Kim? Ladders. Changing light bulbs related to ladders. Simon, do you have any more? Going bold, yeah. That your children will turn out well. Linked with that, the future. We haven't said that one, but that's a big one. Flying. Thunderstorms. Margaret, why are you afraid of thunderstorms? Used to be yeah. Because you were hit by lightning three times? I was hit by lightning twice. Twice. Hmm. Okay, did you come up with some reasons on why people would be afraid of these kind of things? Any reason? Say that again. Past experience. Excellent. Something bad has happened. Is that why you don't like corned beef? <laughs> What happened to do with the corned beef? No, I don't know if we want to know, actually. What else? Did you say something? No? Why else? Okay, we're coming back to the, the, the past experience stuff. Why else are we afraid of things? Us kind of omnosising ourselves onto other people. Mm -hmm. The unknown. What's going to turn out? How's it going to work? Football fans are afraid of Norwich because Norwich are obviously not as good as Ipswich. Oh, are they? Mm. We won't mention the Watford School. Um, what else are we? Why else are we afraid of things? Or are we? Brilliant. We can't control it. I think there's some really important things there about the fact that we like to be in control. So fear of the future comes very much into that because, oh, goodness, have I got control in it all? 
There are lots and lots of reasons. We're going to look at a few, um, <clears throat> a few things uh, a bit in a minute about uh, why fears develop in our lives, why we're afraid of things. You've touched on most of them that we'll look at, but we'll look at them a little bit more. But what about the effects that fear have on us? talked about a wide range of things that people are afraid of. Having said, looking at this website of the A to Zs, I could have been there for hours. There are amazing things that people are afraid of, often contradictory things that people are afraid of. And I think there are also, we'll see in a minute, different levels of fear as well, and we're going to come to look at that. But we're all afraid of something somewhere along the lines. And some of those fears are of chopsticks or spiders, which perhaps are slightly irrational, Other fears for us are very, very deep. A fear of dying can have a huge effect on our lives. Being afraid of the future, of open space. All these things can have a massive effect on our lives. And interestingly, the Bible says something about this. The effects of these unhealthy fears. It says, fear and trembling has beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. This is uh, David talking about. He talks about fear an awful lot. And some of the, uh, the things to do with fear that, uh, that affect us, there can be trembling, that's there. Heightened emotion, jitters, faster heart rates, high blood pressure, nervousness, anxiety, stress. Fear often produces the release of adrenaline, which can cause all kinds of things. Uh, loss of appetite, sexual disorders, phobias, panic attacks. It can have a huge restriction on our lives. Fear can for many people, become very debilitating. Extreme phobias can develop, and all kinds of things can flow from that, from the inability to leave a house, to cross a road, to attend a job interview. Panic attacks can happen at any point. Fear in its extreme levels can cause huge restrictions on people's enjoyment and freedom in life. Fear and trembling have beset me. Some psychologists, uh, this isn't in your notes, but uh, I I was reading this this afternoon, um, say that fear can be split into three main different responses and that we feel fear in different ways. First of all, you get the butterflies. Level one fear, butterflies. We've all been there. We're going to a job interview. We might get the butterflies. I'm standing up here maybe getting a little bit of the butterflies. We're about to jump out of an aeroplane with a parachute on the back. You get the butterflies. There's that kind of fear. (laughs) I'm going to test that out one day. But actually, that kind of fear generally is something that a lot of us feel. Uh, That sense of just being a bit nervous. And that fear sometimes can be not an unhealthy fear, but a healthy fear. Because it can stimulate things in us that adrenaline can sometimes be useful. And actually, sometimes it's not necessarily the butterflies, but fear can be a bit helpful To fear standing on the motorway while there's traffic coming at you is a good thing. Don't do it, because it leads you to not do it. But actually, secondly, the psychologists say there's a second level of fear that can begin to become slightly more debilitating. And that's often called the fight-or-flight mode. It's where uh, you are very, very jittery, um, you're nervous, uh, you might be agitated... And actually, that can begin to come out in our kind of outside behaviour. And then the final level of fear, which you probably would have if you were about to jump out of an aeroplane, is called being frozen. And those who suffer from severe panic attacks, uh, extreme phobias, will feel this regularly. It's terror. 
terror a situation they're about to face, and it can cause them to be completely unable to face anything. There are different levels of fear. Some of us will only experience the first one, but for other of us is here, we might experience the second and third one in our lives. And they can be very scary times. They can stop us from doing things, living the way that God wants us to. So what causes this kind of unhealthy fear? Well, we said past experiences, and often those past experiences are traumatic experiences. External things can cause us to feel fear. For example, watching a scary film really gives me the jitters. However, it doesn't really affect me very deeply. I can move on from it most of the time. But I uh, remember talking to a friend of mine from home uh, not so long ago, and she had this extreme fear of clowns. And I said, why on earth are you scared of clowns? And we were talking. And uh, she remembers a time when she was 11 years old watching a film, a Stephen King film called It. Uh, It was kind of late 80s. And it was about a clown, it was a horrible film, that molested children. And she remembers watching that, being 11 years old, and she was scared of the film. Um, But what more, she was scared of her mum finding out she'd watched a 15 film when she was only 11. So not only did she have the level of fear uh, that was connected to the fact that she'd watched a film that she was scared about, there was the whole other feelings of the fact that she was just petrified that her mum would find out and be really cross and upset with the fact that she had watched it. Now, that's not a very traumatic experience, really, but actually it left a massive impact in her life. And uh, her daughter was three years older when I was speaking to her, and uh, she was desperate to go to the circus, and she just couldn't take her because she was so scared. And she kicked her husband out, and they went together and left her behind. Some of the traumatic experiences can be a lot worse than that. Some can be a little bit less than that, but they can still leave a massive impact in our lives. They can still leave a little girl feeling scared and fearful. Other traumatic experiences can lead us to have fear living in our lives. A parent dying when a child is young can leave that child fearful of someone else dying or feeling rejected and scared of rejection. A scary situation of abuse can leave someone feeling fearful and therefore that fear can take hold in people's lives. Traumatic experiences in our past can leave us to feeling fear, even though the event is completely long gone. Fear can take hold in our lives. But there's another reason that, again, we touched on in our discussion about how fear can be caused in this way. And uh, that can be the way that we're brought up. My four-year-old niece was petrified of owls, and we couldn't work out why. And she believed that there was an owl living in her pillow. Uh, She's four. She was convinced that an owl was living in her pillow and it scared her. And later on, we discovered that actually she was also scared of ants. And we couldn't work that out either. We discovered that her grandmother on the other side was also petrified of birds and ants. And whenever Jessica went to stay with her, she was told to stay clear of birds and ants because they were scary. She'd been told that they were scary. And so she thought they were scary. And Auntie Claire proved that ants weren't scary by making her collect them. And her mummy managed to do a good job of convincing her there were no owls in her pillow, really. But reinforcement can cause fears to live in our lives. Often the things we're told as children do stick with us. Skiders are scary. Why are they scary? 
I think uh, also, we didn't mention this, but uh, the, the kind of fear that there is um, of crime, the fear that there is of the world kind of ending tomorrow I and mean, in a bad way. The news does a marvellous job of scaring us sometimes. <laughs> Watching the news, reading the newspaper, always kind of that, that sense of the biggest scandal and the next day it's gone. The way that we're brought up and the world around us can leave us feeling fearful. And the thing about the news and about some of the things we're told around us is that actually they've got no godly perspective on the world and on the things that actually we should fear. And the world around us can leave us doubting that God is in control and therefore fear can take quite a hold in our lives. The final thing uh, about this fear that can take hold in our lives, it can be caused by traumatic experiences, it can be caused by the way we grow up, but also it can take hold because we believe the lies of Satan and fears can very easily, fears can very easily be used by Satan. He uses it to hold us because actually Fear ultimately stops us from trusting God. Fear ultimately stops us from believing the truths of God, that the whole world is in his hands, that we have nothing to be afraid of. And fear can be completely paralyzing. How much does Satan like that? If you're afraid of death, Satan's very good at spinning a lie that causes us to be afraid of anything that's vaguely risky flying, crossing a road. We can believe lies rather than trust in God. To live in fear can give Satan a foothold. So, we talked about a few other things that these fears can be caused by, but there's a few there to think about. But what's the godly perspective? What's the biblical perspective on these kind of fears? What does God do about it? What does he do about these fears? I had a whale of a time this week. I typed into Bible Gateway fear and got thousands of Bible passages back and it was great. I've had a whale of a time reading them. So here are a few. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. God wants those who love him to have no fear in their lives. He doesn't want fear to control us. He doesn't want the reality that we live in to be fearful. He wants us to trust him. And God will, as this Bible passage says, deliver us from all of our fears. The next Bible passage is one we use a lot. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba. Father, we're not slaves to fear. We have nothing to be afraid of. As God's children, that's what that Bible passage says, we can call him Father. And because of that, we have nothing to fear. When we bring our hopes, our dreams, our worries, our concerns, and our fears to God, he does some incredible things to that sense of fear. Through his Holy Spirit, he can bring light into areas of fear in our lives. And he does that uh, in three ways. Firstly, God provides security 
and certainty. He provides certainty and security. David knew this well. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even then will I be confident. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. God's in control. Hallelujah. He's king of all. He's powerful. If we put our lives in his hands, if we say we're going to trust you, then no fear can exist in our lives. It does, because there's that battle of trust. Sometimes it's hard to believe when we look around at the world or in our own lives or our own situations that God is in control. But we need to trust that God is ultimately in charge, that everything is in his hands. And whatever happens, even if we die, our lives are completely safe in his hands. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 1 verse 9, I don't think I've got this on the, uh, on the screen, says this. This is Paul talking. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises people from the dead. I think that's incredible. Struck me big time when I was reading that. Him and the guys that were out there preaching for the Lord had a lot to fear from all those around him. But they didn't. They learned to trust in God, to not be controlled by their fear, to recognise the certainty that God gave, that he was in control and not even death could separate him from the love of God. Nothing could separate him from God. Simon referred to uh, Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, God with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even more than that, though, not only does God provide certainty and security, God will never let you go. Psalm 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David knew this well, as did many of the greats of the Bible. That whatever situation they were in, they weren't facing it alone. Moses going into Egypt, he wasn't alone. Joshua into the promised land, he wasn't alone. Daniel going into the lion's den, not alone. Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. Philip going to his death. They all testify God being with them. And whatever we're afraid of, we need to bring that to God and let him minister, minister to us and show us that he never lets us go. Some of the fears that have got roots in traumatic times, in times of stress or worry or concern, in the ways that perhaps we were brought up, some of those fears are really hard to look back at. Because actually we see a time where we weren't sure perhaps that God was there, that he really wasn't letting us go. And we've seen as more and more people go through prayer ministry that God has the power to take us and show us that he was there even in those moments where we were completely afraid. 
And that can provide great certainty for our lives, to know that God didn't let us go in those times of trouble, in those times where we were afraid, in those times where we felt alone, to know that Jesus was there with us in those moments. That's amazing. That's amazing. God's Spirit provides assurance, knowing that he will never let us go in those traumatic times of the past, in the ones that will be in the future, in those scary moments, when those times where fear perhaps engulfed us. God was there. Isaiah says, Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come in vengeance. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. That verse reminds us that God is always there. We might not always see him or feel him, but he is. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, he can help us, even with things in the past, to show us that he was always there. But just finally, before we have coffee, the last thing that God does uh, is a promise to us, almost. God replaces fear with love, peace, and faith. There is no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And then uh, Timothy says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God wants the fear that holds us, even fears like fears of spiders or chopsticks, to be replaced with love, faith, peace, and hope. Instead of us being gripped by fear on whatever level, God wants us to be free from that. The key, though, is where we began. God's in charge. He's over all. And the key is our relationship with God. A healthy fear of the Lord cancels out all other fears because it recognises who God is and who we are. Dr. Michael Nezar Ali, he's the Bishop of Rochester, said this, The fear of the enemy and all his strongholds can only be combated by an authentic fear of the living God. I think that's incredible. God doesn't just want to remind us that he is there through all times. He doesn't want to just help us understand that he never lets us go, even in the past when we felt fearful, afraid, scared. He wants to replace the fear that we might feel with faith, with hope, with peace, and with love. I think that's incredible. I think that's incredible. Let's close our eyes for a minute. And just as we're coming into coffee, I've asked John just to sing a song that uh, some of us know well, others maybe don't. And it picks up some of the words uh, from Psalm 23. But let's just close our eyes for a minute. I've heard quite a few Bible passages tonight about not fearing, about knowing that God's always with us, that he'll never leave us alone, that he's always there. But Lord, sometimes we don't feel that. And sometimes the fear that perhaps is in us about a situation, maybe past or present, or maybe in the future, that can overwhelm us. Help us, Lord, just in these moments as we hear words from your word to receive your peace and your certainty and your security, knowing our lives are safe in your hands and that nothing...
can separate us from your love.